We're in Lesson 12, and we're going to look at the issue of sanctification. We're in Romans chapter 6. Now remember, up until this point in our study, Paul has talked about, after talking about how the world is condemned because of their rebellion against God and that all have sinned, he talks about justification before God, our acceptance by God, and that is because of Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross for us. And so how are you justified? By what? By faith. Not anything you do. And that even in the last part of chapter 5, he talked about where sin exists, grace exists even more. So even though you may sin, that doesn't affect your justification, does it? No, no, it shouldn't. It doesn't at all. Because there's more grace. All right? So now... He's going to come to chapter 6 and he's going to shift the focus now from talking about our positional, where we are positionally with Lord, because justification talks about our position with Christ. He's going to talk about our practical lives, how we live that out. So how do you live that out in salvation? And I'll just be flat out honest with you. A lot of people have come up with some unusual ways to think about that through the years. And maybe you've heard some of them. And Paul specifically is going to address one of them here today. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to see that he's going to address again, he's going to propose a question anticipating what his readers, who are primarily Jewish Christians, are going to be thinking. And to be honest with you, it's a question that we might be thinking after we've had this long study in justification, we realize my acceptance with God has nothing to do with me. I'm under grace, I'm not under the law. Woo! So listen to what he says here. Look at verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Okay, let's, let's look at this. He's going to talk about a question here. Now, this, this question he raises is a natural question. What do you mean, George? Well, especially for, for our circle of churches, and I'll explain that in a moment, but here's the point. The question arises out of the truth of Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Let me read you what it says. Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So what he's saying is where sin is, there's much more grace. So this question arises out of that truth he just shared. What's the question, George? Well, Paul anticipates the question that believers can sin in order to experience more grace. Believers can sin in order to experience more grace. Now, why did I say earlier that this is this is something that we in our circle of churches would be susceptible to? Well, one of the things that we believe very strongly is eternal security. And we just studied why that is. We believe that you are eternally secure, and the reason why is because your justification has nothing to do with you. Who's it got to do with? Jesus. Now, the problem with that is, is that 
many of us sometimes, in, and ignorantly, and sometimes foolishly think, well, I've just been given a license to do whatever I want to do. I've just been given a license of grace. I've got this card in my pocket, the forgiveness card, that I can do whatever I want to do, because where sin abounds, there's more what? Grace. And, and you say, well, oh, come on, George. Come on. I don't have that problem. Okay, well, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you a, a question here today. Tell me if you've ever had this thought enter your mind. You're in a situation, and you know that you shouldn't do something. And you know that what it is is sin. But the thought enters into your mind, I'll just go ahead and do it because I can ask for forgiveness, what? Later. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Because I know those things enter into our hearts. We enter into the wrestling of, well, can I just go ahead and do this and I'll just ask for forgiveness later because it's there. Because grace abounds. Do you understand? That rises out of our concept of our, our justification. Do you understand that I'm okay to do whatever I want to do now? Here's the other thing that happens. This, this mentality, this question that Paul's dealing with here, also creates a lackadaisical mindset in believers concerning their own sin. Did you understand what I mean by that? That you don't have to get serious about the stuff in your life. Yeah, you're struggling. Yeah, you're trying to overcome it. Yeah, but you know, there's still what? There's still grace. There's still forgiveness. And that's what Paul's addressing here with this question. He's, the question is, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Hey, let's just go on sinning because grace is going to abound more than what? My sin. See, that's the question he's anticipating here. And, and, and be honest with you, that's the stuff we wrestle with, right? Let's, we'll all acknowledge that. We all wrestle with that, okay? Even George. Alright, even George. Now, here's his response. Here's how he responds to that. Paul uses strong language to express that he rejects the idea. What do you mean strong language, George? Because when I read my text, it simply says, certainly not. Well, that's our English translation. The Greek word that he used there is, is meganoita. It's, it's a very strong, no way! You, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like him saying, no way! I mean, he's, he's, it's like coming out of him that this is ridiculous that we would even think that way. So he uses strong language to express that he rejects that idea. In fact, he uses that term several times through this book. In fact, a couple of times right here in this chapter. We'll look at one time, another time next week. Here's what he says. He wants to remind us of something. And here's the reality. He reminds his readers that because they are dead to sin, they should not live in it. He's going to enter into a new discussion now. He's laid a foundation for you and I that our acceptance, our justification with God has nothing to do with us. It has to do with our faith and what Jesus did for us, right? So now he's going to take your understanding of salvation and move it one step further. 
And what he wants you to understand is, is that now that you've been justified, that you, if you have put your faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you on the cross, and that is what you're trusting in, that's what your faith is in for your salvation. He says now that you are dead to sin. Now, immediately somebody is going to be thinking, huh, Really? How's that possible? Because guess what this week was like? You know what I'm saying? Or guess what this morning was like? You know, I, I'm, I'm not free. Will we all say that? We're not, doesn't appear to be that we're free, right? He's going to enter into that you and I need to, and I think we talked about this last week, Jim, because you, you brought it up in a comment about a mindset, about a perspective. You and I need to develop a perspective about the reality of sin in your life. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. Everybody here struggle with sin? You didn't raise your hand? You have not had enough coffee yet. You're asleep. Okay, because we all struggle with sin. I mean, let's just admit it. We all struggle with sin, right? Okay, all right, now. We've been taught so many things through the years in the church that we, we, we just think it's something we gotta live with. That we're defeated by. And what he wants you and I to understand is, is that you and I, because of Christ, don't have to live in it any longer. Now we're gonna talk about what that means as we progress on here. But that you and I are dead to it now. And what does that mean? What does that mean? That we should not live in it. So let's, let's go on. He says, he reminds his readers that because they're dead to sin, they should not live in it. Here's the next thing. The phrase, dead to sin, means, because you're probably wondering, what does that mean, dead to sin? It means being set free from sin's power, not the extinction of sin. It means to be set free from the power of sin, not the elimination of sin from your life. Does everybody understand? There's a difference, isn't there? Because all of us are recognized, sin sure hasn't been eliminated from my life. But maybe what you don't understand is, is the power that sin had before you became a Christian no longer exists in your life now as a Christian. When you say, I still sin, you're giving into it. But you don't have to. Do you understand what I'm saying? Before salvation, you couldn't say no to it. You were driven by it. Now, with Christ, you have the ability now to say no through the power of Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what it means to be dead to sin. It means being set free from the power of sin in your life. And sin has power in your life. Let me just stop for a moment. It's interesting. There's a book that was very popular years ago written by a Chinese writer called Watchman Nee. How many of you ever heard of Watchman Nee? Watchman Nee wrote a book called The Normal Christian Life. Now, some people don't like the book. It's a pretty good book. In it, he talks about sins and sin. Sins and sin. There's a distinction. Sins are the things that you commit, that you do. Sin, he talks about, is the power of it in your life. And it manifests itself in sins. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because, let's be honest, everybody recognize we're not good here, right? Everybody recognize that? You ain't that good. Period. You're not good. You're sinful. And the power of sin at one time reigned in your life. And it trained your body how to what? Sin. 
to do sins. So, the phrase dead to sin means being set free. Now, Paul reminds his reader that their baptism into Christ was also a baptism into his death. Baptism into Christ? Well, I remember being baptized, George, or, yeah, George, you baptized me, or, or I remember this pastor baptized me. What are you talking about here? Well, first of all, he's going to use the illustration of baptism. Okay, remember baptism? Buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. You were, you were placed in the water and brought back up. He's going to remind his readers that their baptism into Christ was also a baptism into his death. Now, what baptism are we talking about here? Water baptism? No, the baptism refers to a spirit baptism. See, the water baptism illustrates the baptism that already took place in your heart. So what is he talking about here? All right, I want everybody to listen to me. Think back to when you made that decision to follow Jesus. Think back to when you made that decision to follow Jesus. Some of you, that's been recent. Some of you, that's been years. For me, it's 30 years ago. The moment, the instant, that you by faith embraced Jesus Christ, you, in that instance, died to sin. You were buried with him. And you were what? Through salvation, raised to walk in newness of life. Didn't happen when you got baptized, water baptism. It happened the moment you got saved. The moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you died with him on the cross, figuratively. Do you understand? Because he died on the cross, bearing, he died to sin. Do you understand? You died to sin. You died to the power of sin. He defeated sin on the cross, right? Sin has been defeated in your life. That's what he's talking about here. The power of sin has been broken in your life because you died with him. So the baptism here refers to a spirit baptism. Water baptism pictures the reality of the spirit baptism. Isn't that what water baptism is? Buried in the likeness of his death. You're, you're put under water like you're buried. And then you're what? Raised to walk in newness of life. Water baptism reflects the reality of what took place in your heart. Now do you understand why we baptize? Now do you understand the symbol of baptism? Because it reflects what took place in your life when you got saved. You died to sin. Now let me just stop for a moment. How many of you would be willing to say, George, until today, I just thought I got saved. I didn't know that I died to sin, the power of sin in my life. This is new to me. How many of you would say that? That's reality. You died to the power of sin in your life. You've got to own that. But how many of us are so defeated by the junk in our lives? Now, notice I said sin. I'm not talking about sins. Sins are a manifestation of a deeper root issue, right? The deeper root issue is the power of sin in your life. That died. Do you understand? That died. That was broken. All right? That was broken. Now, let's go on now. Let's finish looking at what he says here. Dying with Christ means the believer has died to his former life of sin. Dying with Christ means that the believer has died to his former life of sin. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. What do I mean by your former life of sin? Anybody? Anybody? I don't know, George. What is that? Okay, let's let's describe it two ways. For you as a believer, you have two lives. There's your life in Jesus that happened from the moment you got saved until now, until you and you go to be with him. There's another life. What's that life? The life before Jesus. 
That, my friends, is your life, former life of sin. Do you understand? Because before you got saved, you belonged to who? Not just the world, Satan. Yeah, you belong to Satan. You know, think about how trivial we make it in, in, in our culture that you could sell your soul. That your soul already began. You already belongs there. You understand? You're, you're headed to hell. You don't sell your soul to the devil. You redeem your soul through faith in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what. The, that's the thing they're not telling you. And the reality is, is that you died to your former life. Now, you, now for me, I can remember my former life because I got saved at 19. And, and I'll be honest with you, it wasn't good before I got saved. What'd you do, George? It doesn't really matter. Just know that it was not good because my heart wasn't seeking after God. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And the reality was is I was living for myself. That's what we're talking about here, the former life. Dying to Christ means that the believer has died to his former life of sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Died to his former life of sin. So here's the salvation reality. Just as we were buried with Christ in his death, believers are raised with him. Now see, it just doesn't end there with the concept of dying to sin. He goes and adds to that the other reality is not just that you're, you're dead with him, but that you have been raised, you're new, to live with him. All right, George, translate that into something I can think about. What does that mean? All right, let's stop for a moment. Everybody grasp, at salvation, you died to sin. The power of sin no more has control over you. Does everybody understand that? Here's the second part of that. At salvation, you didn't just die to the power of sin. You now have been given to you the ability to live for Christ. Do you understand? That's, 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 that's another thing that you need to understand. You don't just need to understand that you died to Christ. You now have the ability, you now have the power to live for Jesus. Does that mean i got to be a, a preacher or a missionary? No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about you just living the way God wants you to live. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not giving in to the power of sin that's been broken in your life. Do you see that's a mindset? That's a comprehension thing? Let's go on. One more point here before we move on. Believers are raised to walk in newness of life. Here's, here, you know what you're meant to do as a Christian? Let me just stop. I, hear up here, I wish I knew what Lord, the Lord's will was for my life. I wonder what he could do with me. I wonder, yeah. Stop for a moment. You already know. There's one thing we all should know here. He gave you a new life to walk in it. To enjoy it. To serve Him with it. To do what's right with Him. Do you understand what I'm saying? you got a new life in Christ. Live it. Do you understand? we got all wrapped up in it. Forget that. You're, getting, you're, you're missing the main point. Because a lot of people who struggle with that, they're still living, in the, they're still living under this power that's been broken. They're not learning to live as the new person that they are in Jesus now. Do you understand what I'm saying? To live as the new person in Jesus. Here, and part of the problem is, is we've never, we don't teach this. We don't tell you to live the life of grace that he's given you now. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? To live in the freedom of that. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? So, let's look at verse 5 now. 
Look at verse 5 through 11. He's going to talk about reckoning yourself dead. Let's look here what he says. Verse 5. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. For if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, let's talk about this. First of all, he's going to talk about our unity in Christ. Paul expresses the reality that believers are united with Christ in his death. You share in Jesus' death. Do you realize that, folks? Well, I wasn't there, George. That happened 2,000 years ago. No, in the spiritual reality of what happens at salvation, you share in that death. Because why? He took the penalty from you. Remember when we talked about justification? See, something happens when you come to Christ. A spiritual transformation takes place in your life. Well, you can look in the mirror and it looks like the same old me. It is the same old you, but there's a little bit difference now. The spiritual you has changed. And you were united with him in his death. Here's the other thing. This reality also means that believers are united in his resurrection. You were given a new life. Do you remember, do you realize this? Eternal life began the moment, the instant you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Eternal life doesn't begin when you die. It begins the moment, the instance that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Then you became a new being. Do you understand? And yes, you might shed this body. Peter talks about that, shedding this tabernacle, this tent. But you'll receive a new body that's incorruptible. But you continues to live on, right? Haven't you noticed that when you go to a funeral? When your loved one's there? I've noticed that so many times now. And you look. And yeah, it's their body. But it's not them. It's not them, is it? Why? Well, I can tell you why. Because them is, they shed their body. The soul lives on. Who you are lives on. Did you understand what I'm saying? And so, you know, the reality is in salvation, I didn't just, you know, united in his death spiritually, I'm united in his resurrection. Let's go on. The old man is the believer as he was spiritually before he trusted Christ. Now let me just stop for a moment, because some of you might have a problem with that. Maybe you've been taught different things. That's fine. I want you to understand, when he's talking about the old man here, he's talking about your life before Jesus. And for some of you, the old man was when you were five years old. And that concept was like, well, you know, I was five when I got saved. Well, you were, that's your old man. That's the old you. How about if I say it that way? The old you. The, the, the translation uses the word man. We're talking about the old you. Everybody recognize you're a new you now? In Jesus, everybody recognize that? So the old man was you spiritually before he trusted Christ, before you trusted Christ. Now, at the time of our salvation, our old self died, 
or was crucified with Christ. Your old self died spiritually. You've got to understand that. All right, now here's the thing. Some of you maybe will be freed from this. Some of you here, you are so wrapped up in what you've done wrong. Everything is the same to you. Before you became to Christ, after you became to Christ, all you see is the stuff that you do wrong. And so some of you have to have a clear mark of delineation in your mind. That even though you maybe are still struggling with the same stuff you did before you came to Jesus, there is a place, there's a mark, there's, there's, a, there's a line in your life that provides a profound point of change. Well, what changed, George? Because I'm still doing this stuff. I'm struggling. You know, Listen to me. That mark is when you got saved. That point of change is when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain to you. Up until that point, it was your old self. It was yourself ruled by the power of sin in your life. It had free reign in your life. You were doing what you wanted to do. But that point of salvation, something changed. What changed? You changed. How? You died with Jesus to the power of sin in your life. You were raised to walk in newness of life now in Christ. And so here's the difference. The difference is, is maybe the sins are the same, but the person is different. It's a different person sinning now. Do you understand me? Get that down. You may want to write that down. The, 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 the sins may be the same, but it's a different person sinning. Do you understand what I'm saying? You say, now why do I still struggle with those same old sins? Well, here, let me explain something to you. You trained your body. You opened your body to a new awareness of sin before you got saved. Your body is what you're living in. In fact, in fact what we're going to see here in Romans 6 is, is that he uses, I, I don't like the way the NIV says sin nature. The actual word is what is which reflected in the ESV, which is reflected in the King, New King James, which is reflected in the New American Standard, is flesh. Your body was trained in sin. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I mean? I want you to think about your sin issue. You've trained your body in your sin issues. You've trained your body to crave whatever it is that you're craving. You've trained your body to do the certain sins. We're not just talking about appetites here. We're talking about sins. A lot of the sins are pleasurable, so you've trained your body to crave that pleasure. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've trained your body. So let me get back to my illustration. At that point of salvation, the sins might be the same, but the person is different now. Do you understand me? But now, here's the hope. You can overcome because you're a new person in Jesus. It may take time, but you can overcome. Because sin doesn't have power on you anymore. You've been given the ability to live in newness of life. Is that not awesome? See, this is what he's talking about here. This is what he's talking about here. So at the time of our salvation, the old self died and was crucified with Christ. Let's go on. This resulted in both of our bodies of sin being rendered powerless and our freedom from sin. Two things happen here. Your bodies are rendered 
so that the power of sin doesn't have power over you. You say, well, I still got the, your body still craves stuff, okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Your body still craves stuff. That's just your body. But that's not the power of sin, that's your body. It's like I remember, I used to, when I went to Lynch, when I went to school in Lynchburg, my home was back in Columbia, South Carolina, I had to drive four and a half hours from, from Columbia up to Lynchburg. And, it's back in the 80s, early late 80s. And I'm driving through North Carolina, and I'm just driving along on the highway, and then I see a sign for Hardee's. Now, some of you know what a Hardee's is, okay, if you've been down south, or if you've been to Bedford, there's a Hardee's, there was a Hardee's in Bedford. And I knew my body would immediately, sweet tea! And guess what? I'm pulling off the drive, I'm pulling off the interstate to go get a sweet tea, a moose cup. They had moose cups back then. And of sweet tea. What's going on? My body is wanting sweet tea. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You're, but here's the thing. The power of sin is death, but your body is what hasn't stopped its cravings. Do you understand? Like you're, you say, there are, are all cravings of your body wrong? Well, your body desires water. Is that wrong? you got to have water to live, right? All right, so this resulted in both our bodies of sin being rendered powerless and our freedom from sin. You are free from the power of sin. Everybody understand that? Let's go on. Paul expresses the truth that he who has died has been freed from sin. So here's the truth. If you've died with Jesus, folks, have you died with Jesus? Everybody, okay. Folks, have you died with Jesus? Okay. Do you realize now that you are free from the power of sin? Do you realize that? Hopefully today you do. Let's go on. Because believers have died with Christ, we must believe that we live with Him. Oh. See, this goes one step further than just believing Jesus for your salvation. You need to now have faith that you live with Him. So your faith takes another step further here. You need to now believe that you have, not just that He gave you salvation, that you're justified, that there's grace. Your faith needs to go one step further to trust Him, to believe Him, to be committed to Him, that you now have the ability to what now? Live a whole new life. Well, you know, George, that's really hard because I'm struggling with my stuff. I understand you're struggling with your stuff. That shouldn't change anything. Faith says, yes, I'm struggling with my stuff, but I trust you, Jesus, to help me to live my new life. Do you understand? That's what he's talking about here. That's what's so awesome. All right, now listen, put this down. Work in progress. We are a work in progress. Has anybody reached perfection? No. That only happens when you go to be with Jesus. But until then, every single one of us here is a work in progress. Do you understand? We're a work in progress. Why? Because we have to believe that we live with Him. So the basis of our belief, how do I know that this can take place? What do I put my faith in? Jesus rose from the dead. The basis for our belief is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you want to know how you know you're dead to the power of sin? Do you want to know how you now know that you have the ability to live a new life? Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's the reality. That he rose from the dead. That's how you know. It's his resurrection. Now let me just stop for a moment. How often times do we just simply reduce Jesus on the cross down to me being forgiven? He didn't just forgive you. He gave you the ability to overcome it. 
Do you know what I'm saying? See, what we're talking about here is called sanctification. And it's a lifelong process until you go to be with Jesus, where he helps you to work on stuff to understand the new life that you have in him. Do you understand what I'm saying? And are there struggles? Yeah, there's struggles. Are there defeats? Yeah, there's defeats. But do you know, if you notice, wars aren't won by one battlefield victory. Sometimes there's defeats on, on the battlefield, but you turn around and you win the war. The war's already been won. We're just still fighting the battles. Do you understand what I'm saying? The war's already been won. Well, let's go on. Paul states that Christ experienced death to sin once for all. Look at what it says there. I think it's really interesting what he says there. Verse 10. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. You know, a lot of people, like for instance, I mean, the Catholics do their Mass every week, and, and their Mass is different than our communion. I just want you to understand that, because they believe literally uh, in, in the sacrifice occurring each Saturday, each Sunday, whenever they come for Mass. And, and there are other people, there are other groups, even Protestant groups, that have a concept of being Jesus being crucified again for sin. I'm going to be flat out honest with you. Paul says right here, he died only what? Once. For what? Our sin. He died once for who? All. Who's all, folks? Yeah, I, you know, we had a professor in school, I think Brad maybe had him too, Dr. Fink, who used to say, all means all, and that's all all means. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and there's no other meaning to the word all. And, and, and the reality is, listen to me, the reality is, is Jesus died one time, folks. That's it. He broke the power of sin. That's reality. Let's go on. Jesus Christ lives his life for God. Now, that's who he died for us, but he lives his life for who? God. We know that. Who should we be living our lives for? God. Do you understand what I'm saying? For God. For God. Now, now because of that, he's going to tell us to do something. Here's where the word reckon comes. All right? Believers are to reckon or count themselves as dead to the power of sin. All right, now let's stop for a moment. What's he talking about? Let's get back to what we were talking about here earlier. We talked about this with Jim's comment last week. You and I are to reckon or count. What, what is that a function of? What's that a function of? Is it my hands? Is it my feet? Is it my lips? When I talk about reckoning something, what, am I, what organ of my body am I using? Brain, I'm talking about you and I need to count or, or to develop a mindset. Do you understand that you are now dead to what? Now, that's, that, that's, that, if that's your homework assignment, that, that's enough, isn't it? To think just about that. You're dead to the power of sin in your life. You can, no, you can now say no to it. That doesn't mean you will say no. Chances are you might say yes. Do you understand? Because you're a sinner. You sin. Your body's been trained in sin. But the power of sin has been broken in your life, and you need to develop that mindset. You are not a slave to the issue that you're struggling with. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Confederate flag here in the last week or so. I'm not going to talk about the flag. I'm going to talk about something from history. When the slaves were free in the South... 
even though they were told they were free, guess what most of them still did? They still stayed and still served the master. Because even though they were positionally free now, could go on and do whatever they wanted to do, that hadn't equated to a what? A mindset now that I'm free. I don't need to do this. So many Christians under, maybe have heard that positionally they're free, but they haven't developed a what? A mindset. They haven't reckoned themselves to be what? Dead to the power of sin. Do you understand? Dead to the power of sin. So then finally here, believers are to reckon or count themselves alive to God in Christ Jesus. So I'm not just to develop a mindset that says I'm dead to the power of sin. I've also got with that to develop a mindset that says I'm now alive to who? To God in Jesus Christ. Do you see what I'm saying? Wow. Wow. And so listen listen here. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 through 6. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, look at what it says here, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's who you are, folks. Own it. There is no reason why you should keep wallowing in defeat. So next week we're going to continue on. Next week he's going to talk about our response to that freedom now we have in Jesus and what true slavery is.